0: But I just want to go from verse 21 in Luke 2, and it says this, When the eighth day arrived, the day of circumcision, the child was named Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived. Then, uh, when the days stipulated by Moses for purification were complete, they took him up to Jerusalem to offer him to God as commanded in God's law. Every male who opens the womb shall be a holy offering to God, and also to sacrifice the pair of doves or two young pigeons prescribed in God's law in jerusalem at the time there was a man simeon by name a good man a man who lived in the prayerful expectancy of help for israel and the holy spirit was on him the holy spirit had shown him that he would see the messiah of god before he died led by the spirit he entered the temple as the parents of the child jesus brought him in to carry out the rituals of the law simeon took him into his arms and blessed god god you can now release your servant Release me in peace as you promised. With my own eyes, I've seen your salvation. It's now out in the open for everyone to see. A God revealing light to the non-Jewish nations and of glory for your people Israel. Jesus' father and mother were speechless, was surprised at these words. Simeon went on to bless them and said to Mary, his mother, This child marks both the failure and the recovery of many in Israel. A figure misunderstood and contradicted. The pain of a sword thrust through you, but the rejection will force honesty as God reveals who they really are. Anna, the prophetess, was also there, a daughter of Phanuel from the tribe of Asher. She was by now a very old woman. She had been married seven years and a widow for 84. She never left the temple area, worshipping night and day with her fasting and prayers. At the very time uh, Simeon was praying, she showed up, broke into an anthem of praise to God, and talked about the child to all who were waiting expectantly. For the freeing of Jerusalem, when they finished everything required by God and the law, they returned to Galilee in and their own town Nazareth. There, the child grew strong in body and wise in spirit, and the grace of God was on him. So Jesus enters into humanity as a baby, vulnerable, right? I just want a couple of quick stories. So I grew up in Palmerston North and uh, went to Palmerston North Boys High School, and in that space we had a certain other school that we often had to play rugby against. And this other school was called Hatapaura. Hatapaura was a, a Māori, boy, um, Māori boys college. It was a boarding school that was about 15 minutes outside of Palmerston North. Now, because we were in a massive school, what would end up happening is that as 14-year-olds, we would end up playing the better teams at other schools, which meant that I remember still remember driving in Driving in and you said there's all like these trees um, that are kind of, you know, and cloaking this kind of school. And you were driving in, getting in, and we get to the field and there's hundreds of people there. And some of the people that we were playing against had beards. (laughs) And I was 14, you know. I hadn't seen enough toxic masculinity on social media to be able to be like, ah, it's all good. I was just like, I don't want this. I don't need this in my life those are men <laughs> they are men and they were they had beards and um you know like i was just you know anyway i'm 14 rolling out into this field and then you know where we're we're all right where our team was all right but they were huge they were large and then they just started doing haka, and then i'm just like man i'm over like i just, i think i am gonna die Uh, They will kill me. This will be my last day on earth. And uh, so there was that, I guess, that sense of like the unknown, you know? They're like, what could happen here? I'm not sure that I'm particularly safe in this moment. And uh, that turned out to be relatively true. I was pretty sore by the end of the game. Now, um, I was, in that sense, vulnerable, right, to an unknown outcome, Unsure about how this was going to play out, although I imagine a lot of people watching were pretty certain that they knew how that was going to play out. I felt pretty certain internally as well how it was going to play out. A while ago at um, my son's kohanga, I had to drop him off and there was a big turnover of staff. So we walk in and I didn't recognize any of the kaioko that were there. And as I'm there, we walk in and my son Hawaiki, his hand kind of grips my hand real tight like Don't leave me here, bro. And uh, so, you know, I walk around trying to get him comfortable, give him toys to play with it. But he is just holding tightly onto my hand. And then as I lean down and say, you know, Papa's got to go now. And he's like, no, do not go. No, no. And uh, just like straight fear in his eyes. But I had a meeting that I had to get to. So I I held in there as long as I could before I was like, mate, I'm real sorry. I've got to go. And the fear in his eyes about me leaving him with strangers was... I mean, to be fair, it's it's not a normal practice, is it? Well, here you go. Stay with a bunch of people you've never met. Enjoy that. And uh, so, but he was looking at me like, I'll never see you again. This is the worst day of my life. I felt so terrible, I headed straight to Oranga Tamariki and turned myself in. (laughs) For cruelty to children and uh <laughs> he was in that sense vulnerable, wasn't he? Unsure about the experience before him. Have you ever had a moment like that? You're unsure about how something's gonna unfold. You were unsure whether you would be safe. Now Jesus enters into the story of humanity in the most vulnerable way. He came as a baby, unable to speak, unable to defend, unable to do much at all, other than maybe to scream a little when he was hungry. Now, think about it. When Jesus was born, he was silent, right? There was nothing, there was no communication that was happening. For all of you that are really into um, child development, just chill out. I know there's communication happening, but you know what I mean, all right? Um, But everyone else, he was silent, not able to exclaim who he was, but people kept saying who he was. They were turning up to say, oh, this is the one we've been waiting for. This is the Messiah, the wise men, the shepherds, Simeon, Anna, everyone that had eyes to see was seeing that Jesus was the one. And at the beginning of his life, he, didn't, he did not speak, but they spoke and acknowledged him as Messiah. So Jesus enters into the human story, vulnerable in every way except one way. He was vulnerable in that he needed food, nurture, care, clothing, roof over his head, all of that stuff. However, when it came to his identity, there were never any doubts for Jesus about who he was. He had that on lock. He always knew who he was, and in this specific way, he was safe. And he entered into humanity not speaking. When he was born, his identity was exclaimed by others speaking. But Jesus didn't need their recognition. He wasn't changed by their exclamation or their revelation. It was life-changing for everyone else to know exactly who he was, even as a vulnerable baby. For everyone else going, this is the Messiah, game-changer. For Jesus, I am that I am. I've always been this. See, as a young boy, his parents lose him in a crowd of thousands of people, and after a long time searching, they find him in the temple. Do some of you remember that story? And do you know what? What's even worse? His parents have been, I don't know how long they've been looking for him, a long time. When they find him, he's not even sorry. He's 12. And he's not sorry. In fact, he basically says, "Um, weren't you aware that I was doing my father's business? Chill out. To which you can imagine Mary just being like, walking off and being like, God, this is your child. You do something about it. I am over this little weasel. He just walks away, does what he wants. Yeah, that's right. You're doing your father's business. Great. Could you just let us know next time so we don't walk miles and miles away and not knowing where you are? God, deal with your son. What a weird parenting conundrum that would have been, right? Like, how dare you walk away? I better not do that, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, that's probably too on the nose. Uh, See, Jesus' rock-solid identity would become the very reason for his ultimate rejection, in my opinion. His purity would provoke impurity to come up and out. His holiness would reveal evil, his perfect connection to the Father would reveal humanity's incredible disconnection. His divine acceptance would become in people a rejection of the divine. Jesus was so perfect that everything that was broken inside of people reacted to him. Some with, oh, I'm finally about to be rescued from myself, and others with, this guy knows something about myself, and I'm feeling all sorts of vulnerable in this moment. Therefore, push him away. So think about it. Jesus enters into humanity vulnerable. And maybe that was more than just following the course of biology. Maybe that was a metaphor for all humanity. Vulnerable. Humanity was like a baby. Vulnerable. Needy. In need of care and rescue. And at the end of his life, he was also vulnerable. He was tortured, abused, mocked, spat on, and killed. And see, Jesus entered into the world vulnerable and he left with the world's vulnerability. And what is the world's vulnerability? Who am I? Who am I? This is the world's vulnerability and see some there are certain things and spaces that can can help us understand that until we stuff up or until we sin badly so you can say that you're part of anything you want until you really make mistakes and then those people reject you the who am i question is the question of humanity that asks who am i most truly and who will i be in my worst and who am i still Despite my worst. See, Jesus took the rejection of the world to the grave so that people might know the acceptance of heaven on their lives. And at the beginning of his life, people exclaimed that he was the Messiah. And at the end of his life, they mocked him, saying, here's your Messiah. Right? But his identity remained the same. He entered the world hearing the opinions of others, and he left the world hearing the opinions of others. And none of those opinions changed him. He was vulnerable, but not in that way. Simeon says this of him, This child marks both the failure and the recovery of many in Israel. A figure misunderstood and contradicted the pain of a sword thrust through you, but the rejection will force honesty as God reveals who they really are. Meaning that Christ's presence would it either reveal in humanity a failure to acknowledge who he was and therefore find themselves in his story, or it would be a rescue of, you are the one who defines who I am. By your love, I am. See, the rejection will force honesty. His perfect identity would lay bare the identity crisis of people that did not know truly who they were. And his perfection would be so confronting So confronting to our hidden ego, hidden desires, hidden motives, hidden impurities, lust, selfishness, that we would either run to his love or reject his love. Because the rejection, however, no matter what, would force honesty. Whether we rejected or accepted, we would be forced to tell the truth about who we really were. And so Jesus brought honesty to humanity in ways humanity had never known Jesus was born vulnerable as a baby. He died vulnerable as a tortured and abused man. But he's coming back again. Powerful beyond the abuse and rejection of humanity. As almighty, prince of peace, with all creation bowing its head. As God, almighty, savior, rescuer, redeemer, above all, through all, in all, by all, Christ And somewhere in the story is an arc of redemption for us. See, Jesus enters into our story in vulnerability so as to invite us in our vulnerability to enter into his story. So he enters into our story in vulnerability, and then he says, in your vulnerability, enter into mine. And when we enter into his story, we come out the other side powerful and ultimately beautiful. Jesus came as a baby, died as a man, to return as almighty. And do you know the glimpse of this? Every time you experience the spirit of Jesus, you feel alive, confidence, accepted, loved, on fire. That's true, right? For those that have experienced the presence of God, it is in those moments that you feel the least amount of barrier or boundary that there's a sense of I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me in this moment. When you live out of your identity, you live with power. And here is the crux of that identity, the primary truth. That Christ comes to us. This is central to the gospel message. That Christ who came as a baby is Christ who died on the cross and who came again. Who was raised from the dead. Who came and spent time with us. Who ascended to the Father and took humanity to the Father. Who left us the Spirit of Jesus. So that the Spirit on behalf of the Father and the Son is always coming to you. Pursuing you chasing after you, no matter what you do, whether you're here going, I hate this, I hate God, I hate whatever, Christ is still pursuing you, chasing after you, no matter what you do, no matter where you go, you can deconstruct this thing and throw it in the rubbish and say, I'll never come back, and Christ is still pursuing you. Still whispering into your mind, still giving you dreams, still allowing you to meet people, to provoke your imagination, to go, maybe, just maybe, before all creation, there is a God who says, I love you. And this is the primary truth that we enter into the Christmas story with Christ comes to us. Every other religious story is humanity reaching out to God, but our story is the opposite. Is Christ who reaches out to us and says I love you so much I will not let you do this alone I love you so much I need you to know exactly who you are and you can't do that without me you can't know exactly who you are without me and he reaches out to us today and this is why we celebrate Advent this is why we wait in anticipation we enter into this Christmas story to remember that waiting is part of also our story We're waiting at times. Some of us are waiting for God to enter into our story in ways that we're longing for. Some of us are waiting to be free from certain things that are going on inside of us. Some of us are waiting to become a version of ourselves that we deeply long for. And in this story, we have the truth of this, which is that Christ is always coming to us, even in our waiting. Even in our waiting. We're going, I need you to do this. And Christ's like, yeah, and I'm over here doing this those who have got eyes to see will be like Simeon and will go, this is the one that we've been waiting for. See, nothing was magical about Jesus. He didn't have wings or anything. When they brought him to be baptized, it wasn't like, wow, this is crazy. This, he's floating. I'm not even holding him. That's amazing. Off you go, little bird. It wasn't like that. It was just a baby. And those that had eyes to see could see that an ordinary child was a supernatural and extraordinary plan to rescue people in their ordinary lives, to thrust them into a supernatural hope. And this is the story of Christ. Kapoi? Itu. Let's stand together. And my prayer and our prayer as a community is that as, just as you enter into summer, some of you are like, I'm working all the way through. Well, grace and peace to you. But this is the story that I want you to hold on to. Christ is coming to you and will come to you over and over and over again. He has not abandoned us. He has not left us to figure this out on our own. He is coming to you. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we just open up our hands and our lives and our hearts. We want to acknowledge even this year. Lord, I acknowledge the many ways that you have breathed your absolute beauty over this community this year. Lord, you have spoken to us over and over again. We have heard your voice over and over and over again. Lord, I thank you for some of these really special moments, some of the things that happened in the week of prayer and fasting, some of the things that have happened over Easter. I thank you this year for the people that have given their hearts to Jesus, for the people that have been baptized this year. Lord, I want to thank you uh, that in all of our praying and our longing, Lord, we stop to take a moment to remember, Lord, that you have answered far more than we can even grasp. You are doing far more than we could ever imagine. And Christ, just as you came ordinarily to us, we pray would you come ordinarily by your Spirit into our lives and breathe over us, heal us even further. This summer, let it not be a time to throw everything we know about you out the window. Let it not be a time to throw our morals out the window. But let something inside of us go deeper to go, Lord, When we have a break, I want to press deeper into you. I want to respond to the one that comes to me by saying, here I am, Lord Jesus. Here I am. We love you, Lord. We're so grateful for your presence, for how you've provided for us this year, for how you've cared for our families, for how you've helped us move through grief and suffering, but also how you've given us incredible moments of joy. Lord, this year children have been born, um, people have been engaged, people have got married, all sorts of things have happened, and we just acknowledge your goodness and all of that. We bless you, Lord Jesus. We thank you. Thank you for coming to us. Amen. And for the last time this year, we're going to say this karakia together. Kia orangia koe e tāraki, Kia ta Kia fitia koe e Kia tafaitia, kia aroatu te ariki, kia koe, kia tau te rangimarie, ko ho te rongo tau mai te moori. Homie ye, huie, hi ye. Kia ora koutou, have an amazing break.